Well, the other day I was uh, sitting on the couch, just relaxing, and my wife nudged me and she said, you weren't even listening to me, were you? And I thought, that's a strange way to start a conversation. (laughs) Are you listening? Are you a good listener? Today I want to talk about gospel listening. Listening is such a, a powerful part of what it means to be a healthy human being and to enter into relationships. Calvin Coolidge said, no man ever listened himself out of a job. In this series, we've been talking about the gospel and the good news of Jesus. And the series is called Gospel of Fluency, which has to do with it's speaking the truths of the gospel into everyday life. But one of the things that we have to recognize is that we should be slow to speak and quick to, you know, quick to listen, right? And even when it comes to speaking the gospel, if we're going to be good at it, speaking it to ourselves or our, someone else in our life, we have to first listen. Because it's not really good news if it's not spoken into the bad news in our life, the brokenness, the, the hurtful places. If there's not we're not going to be able to share the good news with someone until they know that, they, that we love them and care for them. And what's the number one way you can show someone you love them? One of, at least one of them is listening to them. Maybe the most overlooked way to serve someone is to listen to them. People today are spending millions of dollars on counseling primarily because they want someone who's a good listener, right? I'm not saying... I mean, and counselors are amazing listeners. They are essentially trained to be great listeners and to ask very penetrating questions and then provide a little bit of insight into that and their wealth of knowledge that they might know. And I think counseling is great. But primarily, people are going to counseling because they need someone to listen to them. And here's the thing. We have the power through the Holy Spirit to be fabulous listeners. God has empowered us to be listeners And today we're going to talk, when I say gospel listening, we're going to start primarily talking about listening to ourselves. Because really, and really everything I'm going to say today would apply to listening to someone else as well. But when it comes to speaking the truths of the gospel into everyday life, we always start with ourselves because that's how you learn how to do it. You are intimately aware of your thoughts and and you can speak to yourself and you you will be kind and loving to yourself. And as we learn how to speak to ourselves and hear ourselves, we learn how to hear other people in our life better and how we might pray and find ways to encourage them in the good news about who God is and what he's done for us. I think back to that Martin Lloyd-Jones quote from earlier where he said, have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? Take those thoughts that come to you the, the moment you wake up in the morning You have not originated them, but they are talking to you, and they bring back the problems of yesterday, often coming at you, depressing you, crushing you, tearing you down, getting you to believe things about yourself and God that are not true. In a way, it's not even your true self, as we're going to see in a sense. It's not the part of you that God made. It's some other twisted part that tears you down. And we don't have, but here's the thing. He says we have to learn how to speak to ourselves, which is true. But until you learn how to actually hear, discern what you're hearing from yourself, we don't know what to say. So today we're going to learn on that part of of 
perceptive listening to ourselves and others around us? Can we listen and discern the truth about what we are saying about ourselves? What voices are, are coming at us? And is that true of us and God and who He is? How can we learn to speak the better word of the gospel over our own hearts? Is what we're about today. Proverbs 20 verse 5 says, The purpose in a man's heart is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. Understanding what's inside of your heart, drawing that part of us out. Let's pray as we come to God's word today and learn how we might become better listeners to ourselves and others around us so that we might speak the good news of Jesus into those places. Dear God, I just thank you for your word. I pray today as we, we're going to do a courageous work today. Penetrating hearts. A lot of, from all of us, we've, we, uh, we've create defense mechanisms to not listen to our hearts sometimes. And I pray today, Lord, you help us to have primarily this voice of your love and your grace over our life right now. So that we can know that we are not condemned. That in Jesus Christ, we are not condemned that whatever is coming out of us does not condemn us, that you don't condemn us, that you are not our accuser, God, that whatever conviction you bring, it's so that you might bring more life to us, and you speak with kindness. Even your word says that as you speak to us, God, to bring us to change, to challenge us, it says that you do it with kindness. So I pray, Lord, you help us to discern those accusing voices in our hearts, those voices that are are, are holding us back from becoming the person you made us to be, Lord God. Help us to listen courageously today that we might, in the power of the Holy Spirit, speak a better word, your word, over our hearts. Help us to believe and trust you today, God. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first thing when we think about Listening to our hearts. And by the way, when I say hearts, I'm thinking in terms of the uh, biblical view of the heart, which is much more broad than the, the, the American view. We use the word heart to talk primarily about emotions. In the Bible, the word heart is, just, is basically used to, to be the, the whole complicated sum of your inner life. Your motives, your thoughts, your feelings, right? All the other ways we talk about our hearts, our, our inner life. That's your heart. It's that full self of your inner life. And so what we, one of the first things we have to recognize when we, uh, today when we think about listening, we think about applying the gospel to our life, is we have to realize that not everything that comes out of our heart is healthy. Not everything, every thought that you have, every motive that you have, every feeling you have, not all of those, uh, not every dream that you even have, not all of those things are necessarily healthy. And I'm, not, I'm also, by the way, not saying that they're not necessarily unhealthy. This is, where, this is why listening is so important. That what comes out of us is not necessarily going to help you. And you know this, because like I said in the morning, doesn't the problem, like, like Dr. Lorton Jones said, doesn't, don't you often have coming out of you as the problems of yesterday or the the accusations that you might have coming out of you regularly, unforgiveness towards yourself. I was talking with a brother once, and, and he just couldn't believe that he was forgiven. There's this constant flow of unforgiveness over his heart. 
that I can't be forgiven for the terrible things I've done. No matter how much I try to speak the gospel, the word over his heart was unforgiven. See, that's, that's a broken word that's coming out of his heart. God wants him to discern that, help him discern that and to speak the truth into that of the, the better word that, that Jesus Christ, that yes, what you did is terrible. But what Jesus did is even more powerful than that. That it's what, however wicked that thing is that you can't forgive yourself of, Jesus has done something far greater and more powerful. That the power of the gospel is greater than whatever that power of what you did. That's a word... So what's coming out of our hearts, we have to learn to discern that it's not always good. And I I say this because we live in a culture that tends to be just universally affirming of everything that comes out of your heart, right? And and I don't necessarily think that's what the culture culture teaches, but we can can walk out of our culture assuming that everything that comes out of us is good, where the scriptures teach that it's much more complicated than that. Jeremiah, for example, 17.9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Jeremiah is actually penetrating into this idea that with, inside of every person, we are made in the image of God. Okay, So there is goodness in every single person. Every person, there is goodness. There is a... And, that, and it's the image of God, meaning that is the connection to God. That you were made by God, you're made for God, you're made to depend upon God, you're made to be able to relate to God and have a relationship with God and, and to be filled with His love and He has filled you with His character and so we are drawn towards justice and we, we are drawn towards love, we are drawn towards forgiveness, we are drawn towards kindness and patience. And je- Why? Because we are made in the image of God. So every single human being, I try to remind Christians of this all the time because we do believe in a doctrine called total depravity, but sometimes we mistake that for meaning that people are, are t- like, we hear total depravity, and that means we think people are bad in every way, and that's not what it means. It means that we are totally in need of Jesus, is what that means essentially. But there's not a part of us that hasn't been affected by sin. That's what total depravity means. It doesn't mean you are totally depraved as a human being. And that's often misunderstood. We probably need a different name for that, that, that uh, theology. And, that, uh, and, and so you are made in the image of God, but the sin has affected every part of your heart. And so we have these, our emotions are out of whack. We fail, I mean, think about it. Think about, the, think about the primary emotions of your last week. Are those in accordance with who God is and His greatness and what He's done for us in Jesus Christ? It probably doesn't take you too long to discern that God didn't make you an angry person, didn't make you an anxious person or depressed person, and and yet we live in this weird world where even as Christians, my whole life, I might struggle off and on with anxiety or depression or whatever it is, that those things might be something I have to battle, but it is a good battle to fight, and I'm not going to accept the fact that God made me depressed or anxious. I was talking with a young child in our, in our church, and they were struggling with anxiety and overwhelmed by it. Overwhelmed. And they were crying. And they said, why did God make me like this? I, 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 I feel so anxious. Why did God make me like this? But I know God didn't make a mistake, but I feel like God made a mistake. 
Now, this is a young child, so I just reassured them in lo- in, with, of God's love for them and that they were not always going to feel like this. But it's getting at this very thing that we're talking about. What was coming out of her was not her truest self. It was something that God was going to change and transform through the gospel of Jesus Christ. To have peace in God. To have confidence in God. It's something that God was going to raise up in this child's life. Jesus talks about this in Luke chapter 6, verse 43 and 45. He says, For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Jesus is speaking in a very black and white way, but he's getting at this this tension in our hearts that whatever comes out of us, it flows from that place in our heart. It needs to be transformed. And God, Jesus is coming and he's trying to remind the Pharisees at this point that they need transformed hearts, not transformed behavior. That the behavior will never change. The, the after effects of, what's, of, the, of, the, of our life comes out of our hearts. The only thing that will make us have a changed life is having a changed heart. You can show that diagram. And so when we think about our hearts, um, God, wants, God wants to grow in us life. But within our hearts, there's two, almost like these two competing forces. There's two competing, there's your true self, your true identity as an image bearer of God, who you are. This is who you are. And I say this to, I would say this to you whether you're a Christian or not, whatever it is, there is, you are an image bearer of God. And there is your true identity as an image bearer. And out of that flows life to help you become Human, fully human, what it means to be human in all of the beauty of humanity. To be a loving and gracious and person with confidence that can be creative and bless the world around you, that's not selfish and, and that, can, that can give and be generous. That's, there's a truth, that's, and, and we all know that there's this other side that I, I, and one of my favorite books calls this our shadow side. There's this other lurking side from, our, from sin that produces out of that side of us, that shadow side of our heart. That's where we produce the bitterness and divisions and anger and rivalries and jealousies and the lack of confidence to, to do life, the, the, way, the, the desire to isolate yourself from human beings because you're afraid or whatever, the fear and these there's this shadow side into every single person. Jesus is talking about this, that they come. Our hearts are divided. They're deceitful. There's a sickness in them from sin. And God sent Jesus Christ so that our hearts might be transformed, so that we might be able to have a renewed inner heart of this true self, to be renewed image bearers, to empower that true self within every person and fill it with His Spirit. So that becomes the primary dominating driving force in your life. So you can overcome the shadow side of your life that's hurting you and limiting you. I think about this, this, I think about this with Adam and Eve. They were created in the image of God. 
right? They were, they were, they were perfect image bearers of God. They, were per- they, they had God's life flowing into them. God of walking with them and they knew they were loved and they knew, they knew they had purpose for their life and they had their relationship with one another. Was, there was no division and there was no brokenness with one another between Adam and Eve. It says they were naked and unashamed. An image of just perfect, I mean, it was literal, but also a picture of perfect intimacy. So we're to walk together with no fear, no masks. But then the serpent came and almost and brought out the shadow side in them, getting them to believe lies about who God is, what God has done for them, getting them to believe lies about themselves. Think about this story in Genesis chapter 3. We'll see how, how, the sh- how this broken side of us grows. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. And one day he asked the woman, Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? So look, the first thing the serpent does, he comes and he's getting them to believe a lie about God. You think, I I love the way uh, Timothy Keller describes this. He says, this is like a smirk. Like, did God really say? Like, he's he's like, you know, God, you know, isn't that kind of ridiculous that God said that you shouldn't eat from this fruit? And he, and then he, and he twists God's word. He says, you can't eat from any fruit, in the, from any of the trees in the garden, which is a complete lie, because God said you could eat from all of the trees of the garden except for this one that will hurt you. And, he, and so he's, he says, God's ridiculous. So it's getting him to, them to believe a lie about God. And their identity is rooted in their belief about God. If you get them to believe a lie about God, you will get them to, to act in ways and live in ways that aren't in accordance with being made as an image bearer of God. So of course we may eat fruit from the trees of the garden. She started off good, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. Now she exaggerates what God's command. God never said she couldn't touch the tree. She's already distrusting of God or adding on to it or being forgetful of the truth. And the serpent replies, you won't die. The serpent replied to the woman, God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. The serpent comes again with a lie saying, look, you won't die, which is again a half truth because what he's saying is you're not going to like literally physically die right away. But God was referring to more than just physical death right on the spot, which they actually would physically die from eating the fruit. God was talking about a whole life, a whole of life kind of death. And he says, God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat of it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. It's a way of the serpent saying, this is the classic, this is the classic temptation for all sin. God is holding back on you. This thing is good for you. You need this thing. You want this thing. This will, this will satisfy you. This will please you. This will make you more like God, which is, again, a lie because they were already made in the image and likeness of God. 
They already were image bearers. They already were made in the likeness of God. They didn't need to do anything to be like God. But this is another one of the key lies. You don't need God. You can become like God on your own. And then you can be proud of yourself because your life will be self-built. And you'll be able to say, look what I did. I built my own identity. I'm a self-made person. That will feel so good when I do that. That's what the serpent is saying. The woman was convinced and she saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruits and ate it. And she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. And at that moment their eyes were open and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. And when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden, and so they hid from the Lord God among the trees. And then the Lord God called the man, Where are you? And he replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you that you were naked? The Lord God asked. You see, God's penetrating their hearts, saying, What's come out of them? They, 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 they believe these lies about God. They believe these lies about who they are. They, they let these temptations flow out of them. They act, they, act, they act in a way that God told them not to act. And what immediately starts to happen? They start to act in distrustful ways towards one another. They start to feel shame. They start to feel guilt. They start to hide from God, right? This is the shadow side growing in humanity. We see this in every one of us. The, the roots of the brokenness in our life is not what we see on the external, but it's the beliefs on the inside. It's the talk that we, it's the, it's the tempting talk that we, from, from the enemy. It's the lies we believe about God that we've believed on the inside. It's the ways in which we have not believed the truth. And we speak to ourselves in ways that hurts us. And God wants us, God wants to change our hearts. This is the hope of the gospel. That God promises that he can change our hearts and that the Holy Spirit can come and he can help, to help us discern what is hurting us and holding us back from becoming the person that we want to be. First thing we see is when Jesus comes, one of the, reasons why, the key reasons why Jesus comes and lives the life that we were meant to live and dies the death for our sins, that we were meant to die for our sins and rises from the dead, one of the key things Jesus is doing in our life is he's tr- giving us a new heart. We see this promise in Ezekiel chapter 36. It says, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues and be careful to obey my rules. Seeing God, we have this heart that's been distrusting of God and his ways. Distrustful of walking as an image bearer of God, and instead we try to make our, our, ourselves out in our own image and become our own gods and make our own life for ourselves and listen to whatever voice we want to listen to instead of your voice, God. And God says, No, I'm going to change your heart, give you a heart of flesh, and I'm going to put my spirit in you that's going to cause you to be able to trust in me and know me and walk in my ways that you might thrive. We see Jesus doing this work, and the Bible talks about this work that we call regeneration, getting a new heart in many different ways. One of the images that we have of this is in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, of us being new creations. 
It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. That in Jesus, you become a, you get renewed. You become a renewed image bearer of God. Your relationship with God is renewed. There's this trans, and there's this transformation that God is doing in our life. You can show the next, next diagram. So God is at work now. He's helping us discern between, like he's, he's renewed our hearts. He's empowered your true self, that image bearer side of you. He's cleaned out all of the shadow side of that self. He's, he's washed it clean. And he's given you, he's filled you with his, his spirit and he's empowered you with your, this, back to the true beliefs in the gospel and who you are. Given you the power to believe those things and to walk in those things. And, and so Jesus, he's, he's helping us transform us. The scriptures talk about how we are, we, we're not just renewed image bearers of God, but we're also being transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. So here's what's important. This is still a work that has to be done. This is... A, this is the key work that we do as believers is that we're learning how to walk in our identity as an, as, as an image bearer of God, as, a, as one who's being, becoming like Jesus Christ. That is my true self. I don't want to ever describe it like there's some kind of battle that you're going to lose. And if, but you're, on the core of your being, when you become a follower of Jesus, you are a child of God. You are filled with God's Spirit and you're a saint in Jesus Christ, right? You are a servant of Jesus Christ. You are a disciple who is becoming like Jesus. All of these things are true of you. That is your true self. But there's still the shadow side in your life. I don't call that yourself. That's why I call it the shadow side. That is not who you are. There's still what we call, the scriptures use lots of images for this. Sometimes it's called your old, old self. Your old man or old woman, the old part of your life, there's still residue. There's still those temptations that come up. There's still those limiting beliefs. Satan is still at work, we're going to see, in your life trying to get you to fall back on your old identity. It's still trying to, it's still trying to poison you with lies about God. You have, you have what the Bible calls the flesh inside of us. This, the flesh is, this, that is kind of that old nature that doesn't think it needs God and wants you to live your life based on your, what you think is good, right, and perfect, not trusting that God is good, right, and perfect. These are still this shadow in ourselves. And what's important is now in the gospel, we can recognize that that is the lie, that those things, those temptations, God gives us, Jesus gives us his teachings. He gives us the scriptures. He gives us the spirit, not to bore us like, like with Bible reading, but so that we might know, we get the privilege of knowing the truths about who God is and who we are so that we might grow into a thriving human being increasingly. That we're growing day by day. It says, as a Second Corinthians says, that we're growing from glory to glory by the power of the Spirit into the image of Jesus Christ who is the glory of God. What a beautiful picture. That we get to grow into to the perfection of who Jesus is. I mean, that's why, we, that's why we read the gospel so much. Not only does it show us where our power comes from, but that shows you your future and your destiny. That Jesus is with you. His loving, gracious, and powerful presence is with you. But, but also to lead you, to lead you to become like him. To be able to live life in the 
the beauty of who he is and his glory. And so the Holy Spirit is helping us win this battle to become like Jesus Christ. Think about 2 Corinthians chapter 10. It says, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, the flesh speaking of that old life that tried to be independent of God and walk in its own ways. It's like our, our, we're, not, we're not working off the old paradigm of life. And one of those old paradigms is, is that we, we need to change ourselves through our own strength and our own power. Isn't that what the world says? You need to change something? Well, go get a self-help book. That will, or go watch some YouTube videos, watch some TED Talks. Then you'll be a better person, right? I'm not saying any of those things are bad. Good advice is helpful to a point. But that's not the primary way where we change. We, cha- we are image bearers of God. We're meant to be connected to Him as our life source. Right? He's the power for change. We need to, we need to be humble enough to recognize that it's not my own power that changes me, but I need His help. And the thing of what we love about good advice and changing ourselves that way is when it's good advice, I can just take it or leave it, right? So I never have to really penetrate my brokenness and what the lies that I might be believing. But when it's God's word, then I have to be recognized that, oh, wow, that's a little bit, the challenge is a little bit higher there, but the life is also way higher. He gets to actually root out what's the real problems in our heart. And we have to wrestle through things that we think might be true that God says is not true. And wrestle with him in that, in the power of the Holy Spirit to, to recognize that all of God's truth is for our life. And so the Spirit is helping us win this battle. For the weapons of our wherefore are not of the flesh, but have divine power. I love that. Divine power. We work with the divine power of the gospel of Jesus Christ to destroy strongholds, those things in your heart that are destroying you. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. I love that. We take every thought captive to obey Christ. This is the work we're talking about today and this week and next week. To learn how to discern what the thoughts, the things that are, the, the, the motives, the feelings that are coming out of me are the... We have to learn how to like place those in like the ring, like the, the boxing ring with the power of the Spirit. Is this thought, is this feeling, is this motive, is this dream, is this desire, is this helping me become the person that God has made me? Is this glorifying to God? It's like that's what it means to bring it under a, to obey Christ. He says what we're saying here is we're, we're putting those things, we're into, is this, in, is this, is this, in accordance, is this in alignment with the truth about God and who He is and what He's done for me? Is this in alignment with who I am? Is this in alignment with, with where I'm going? Is this in alignment with the story that God is creating in the world right now? We put things in the, in the, in the boxing ring of, of life and we say, is this? And we say, okay, Spirit, let's get at it. Is this, is this the truth about who God is and what He's done for me? Is this going to help me become the person that God wants me to be? Because there is a real battle. There is things, there, there's, there is the enemy, the accuser coming at us and bringing accusations. Every single time you do something that you know is a sin, and this is what, Christian or non-Christian, because we all have this feeling, you might not call it a sin, but we all know what it is to make a mistake. The enemy comes at you with the accusation. 
that you are a terrible person. I don't know how he accuses you, but he comes with that shame and that guilt and that accusation. He comes with lies at you. He comes at you and he, and he tells you that you really blew it and you should be ashamed of yourself. And he, says, and he comes at you with things like, it shouldn't surprise you you did that again because you're just a scumbag. You're never going to get it right. He comes at you with these accusations. Does that sound like Jesus Christ who died for you on the cross? To forgive you of your sins? To come down on you when you, make, when you blow it and to say you're a scumbag and you're never going to get it right? Here's the thing. Jesus got it right for you. So your identity is never a scumbag. God never comes at you like that. But the enemy will come at you. You will come at yourself like that. Right? There's lies. Comes at you all, come at the, all the time with us with this lie that God doesn't really love you. All the time we have these, that God has left you, that God has abandoned you, that God is, God is impotent. You might not be able to, like, and I pray the Spirit would help you discern when this is happening, when we're living our life like we believe in an impotent God who's distant and doesn't care about us and has no power to change anything. We live our life in this totally frazzled feeling like we have to control every detail of our life because God is somewhere distant and he doesn't love us and he's not good and he's not powerful and he's not going to help us. And so it's all up to me and we're so frazzled and so worried all the time. Why? Because we believe the lie about who God is. And our, and our shadow side of our life is condemning us and is getting us to believe lies about God and limiting beliefs about ourselves and we're living our life out of, in, in this place of a lie and it's destroying us and the fruit is death. All kinds of death over our life and around us. We don't, we're not able to, and we wonder, why is my life not filled with the joy of the gospel? Because I haven't brought my life under the submission of the Spirit and the grace of the gospel on a, today, that I need the salvation of Jesus Christ today. I need to get those thoughts and those lies into the boxing ring with the Spirit and beat them up. <laughs> Let the Spirit expose them for what they are. That they are nothing. And they are weak. And they are powerless to hold you back from your destiny in Jesus Christ. That they cannot overcome what Jesus has done for you. That you are becoming like Jesus. That God already sees you like Jesus as His perfect Son of God. That He already loves you like He loves His Son, Jesus Christ. That He is at work. And His power is greater than any other power that would come Against you, we take every thoughts, motive, action, feeling, we take them captive to obey Christ, to bring them under the power of Jesus Christ and the truth about the gospel. And so, so every day, this is one of the, I, I, we're doing this because this is the most, one of the most important things I've ever learned in life. Every single day, I do this. I, I try to listen to, to what's going on in my heart. Why am I driven towards this behavior? Why am I angry right now? Why am I getting, starting to get a little depressed right now? Why am, I, why am I anxious right now? Why am I thinking such negative thoughts towards this person right now? Why is this person's sin just bothering me so much? Whatever it might be. I, I analyze the things that are going on in my heart and say, God, help me to believe the truth about th- that person. Help me to believe the truth about myself. Like, where is this coming from? Is this in a, the tr- this, does this line up with the truth about who you are? I'm going to show the next diagram. 
So we, so we want to learn how to, in the power of the Spirit, discern. Because when we put our faith in the truth about God, the truth about what He's done, the truth about the story that we're walking in with Jesus Christ, like that's what produces life. You notice this tree's alive, this tree's dead, right? There's a reason why I didn't pick two living trees. Am I, so I'm, I'm or, and, and the Spirit of God is empowering me to, to produce life. The Spirit is at work. Galatians talks about this. That the, that the fruit of, of the Spirit, right, is, is love and joy and peace and kindness and gentleness, right, and goodness and self-control. And I think I missed one or two, but, you know, you get the idea. Like, the, the fruit of the Spirit is good things, but, like, but then it says the, the fruit of the flesh. Like, if I'm trusting in my old life, if I'm, not, if I'm not taking every thought captive, if I'm just going with the flow, and I'm just, I'm, like, there's a very good chance that I'm, that I'm listening to the lies of the flesh and the accusations of the devil, and that is what's empowering me into all kinds of death, which is described as things like division and, and anger and, and jealousies and envies and, and uh, depressions and loneliness. Satan wants to come and isolate you from people and, and get you to be, believe that you're nothing and that you're a nobody. Satan wants to get you beca- out of all that brokenness. He wants to get you into all kinds of things, bad habits and things that are not going to bring life to you. He wants you to believe that, oh man, you've had a really hard day at work, which you you really need is to have, you know, drink a six-pack or whatever it might be. That's what's going to make you feel good. Like that's whatever it is, he's dry. That's the, the flesh inside of us, the shadow side. We have to learn to discern. That's not who I am. I don't have to listen to that. I don't have to let that have power over my life. I've been given the power of the Spirit to live a new life in Jesus Christ to become. So, so what, I, so what we do is we learn when we, when, when I'm, whatever it is that's coming out of me, I have to learn to ask some questions of that part of myself. And here's some questions I might ask myself, and some of these I adapted from Jeff Vanderstilt, his book, Gospel Fluency, because I hadn't actually thought through all the questions I ask myself. And uh, if you think about those, that list of questions, uh, Lori, um, somewhere in there. Oh, yeah. It's slide number 13. Oh, bummer. Okay. Okay. Bummer. Well, I think of questions like, so I start analyzing things in light of the gospel, right? So I start asking gospel questions of what's going on in my heart. Things like, you know, what, what story am I walking in right now? Going back to, am I walking in the story of God or am I walking in some kind of alternative story about life? Am I, I think about things like the, uh, the truths, of, this, the reality of this is the truth. God, help me understand, is this the truth or is this a lie? I think about accusations from the Satan. Does this sound like the voice of Satan? By the way, I'll send you all these questions if you're on our, oh, here we go. Does this sound like God's voice or, or the devil's accusation? You know, that's a good one. Like something comes at you. You feel like coming at you, and do you feel like, uh, you're, like you feel this condemnation over your life? I promise you that is not from God. If it's condemnation, it is not from Jesus, right? Or when I, something comes out of me, I say, does this line up with the gospel of Jesus Christ? Like, I, I start thinking about, what do I need to remember and, and believe right now about what Jesus Christ has done for me? About who, what he's provided for us on the cross and through his resurrection, I start thinking, why am I, if it's a behavior that I'm drawn to that I know is not, not healthy, that the Bible says is a sin, I start asking myself, well, why? Why am I considering this? And what will ultimately be the outcome if I decide to do this thing? 
I, I think about, is this in alignment with who Jesus says I am, which is a huge one for me. And when I start thinking about my, for example, when I start thinking about my desires or my, the, the uh, motives I have, the dreams I have right now, the things I say I want right now, I, start th- I have to think, ask myself sometimes, is this who I am in Christ? Or is this coming from my old story and my old life? And then I also think, what, how did Jesus do better for me? Like, what did Jesus do on my behalf? Because especially when you have that moment and you blow it, what did Jesus do on my behalf? Because you are not the sum of your mistakes in the gospel. You are not the, like, you, you will never be perfect this side of heaven. We are growing to be like Jesus Christ, but Jesus has, has well, the Bible says, he has made us righteous before God through what Jesus Christ did for us. So what is the better thing that Jesus did for me? And when God looks at me, that is what he sees, and that is what he declares over my life. These are just examples of how I learn how to, I think about the day. I want to give you an example of how this worked just in my life just recently. So I was, um, and this is just a very simple example, but I was um, on, my, on my birthday, my good friend Adam, he's my mountain biking buddy, he got me into mountain biking and broke my arm, and, and, uh, we, we, and uh, he's, uh, he's my adventurer, he's a pilot, and uh, he uh, bought a boat, and he's very generous, and he loves to take people out on it. I'm sure he'd take any one of you out on it if you want to come hang out sometime. And, uh, and he, and he took me, wanted to take me out on my birthday, and we're out there, and he's got one of those fancy boats that you can wake surf on. It like, creates like a, a wave that you can ride without, you know, on a special kind of surfboard kind of a thing. And when you get good at it, you don't even need a rope anymore. You just kind of ride it like a surf, like you're surfing a wave, literally. And the boat's only going 10 miles an hour, so it's kind of awesome. And like, so you can, when you fall, like you're an old man like me, it doesn't hurt as much the next day. <laughs> so... And so, um, so we're out there, and the kids are out there, and we're having a blast on the Columbia River. It's a beautiful day, if you remember last Sunday. It was an awesome day, having a blast. They brought their f- friend, another friend from Seattle happened to be down, and he was, and everybody's, everybody's kind of surfing, and right, they're doing their wake surfing. The guy from Seattle is like the epitome of a man's man, right? He's in the Navy, he's buff, he's big, he's like, he's, uh, he's, uh, he's confident, right? He's like his second time wake surfing, and he gets right up, and he's doing awesome at it. Everybody gets up their first time, and they keep on saying, Willie, do you want to do it? And I'm just, and inside of me, I'm, I want to do it, but I am, but I'm like, but I'm, then I'm like, but I don't want to do it. <laughs> and I'm like, no, the water is too cold. And I'm like, think, I don't just think, man, you sound like an idiot. And like, <laughs> no, we don't have a lot of time. And I'm like, gosh, these are such excuses. I know these are all excuses. Like, why are you making so many excuses? So I started asking my heart, like, I so much want to do this, right? Because I, and if it was 20 years ago, I wouldn't have done this in a heartbeat, right? And I was thinking about that. Like, why 20 years ago would I have done this in a heartbeat? But now all of a sudden I'm like, no, no. Well, the thing is, 20 years ago, and I, I, would have been, I would have done it in a heartbeat because I would have had confidence that I'm going to get up on this board and I'm going to be better than almost everybody at it. <laughs> I was a little cocky when I was 20. Because <laughs> I was usually more athletic than everybody around me, or at least, you know, in the top 90, you know, 90%. And so I was like, that would be, and I would, so I knew I could do it and I would look good and I would not fail at it. But today, with everybody else out there, Everybody being, everybody getting up on the first time, and they're all doing good, and they all look good at it, and I and I'm sitting there, and my kids are right here, ready to watch me do this thing, <laughs> and I'm thinking I've done wakeboarding before, and I just, just not good at it, <laughs> did not get up, and it was embarrassing, 
my youth made fun of me. I remember there was actually happened to be a young 16-year-old kid there who was just like me, and he made fun of me for how quick he got up at wakeboard. And I'm like, that is exactly what I would have been like when I was your age. <laughs> and, and, and so I, I didn't do it, and I didn't do it. But then I started gospeling my heart. Like, well, why are you so afraid to get up? Like, what does it, like, what is going on in your heart to discern this fear of failure? And this is bigger than just the feel of failure right now on the boat, because this is a story, this is something I've been struggling with for a few years now, coming up in my life. This fear of failure and looking bad in other people's eyes. A limiting lie that holds me back from being the confident and joyful person that God made me to be, from being someone who can take risks, from being someone who can look bad and be humble, from being someone who's not prideful, doesn't have to put my, my, um, my, my identity in being successful at how well I do today at the wake surfing or whatever, or how well I do. This is really just a microcosm of how I feel as a pastor every week sometimes. Every Monday I have to fight this limiting belief. How did Sunday go? Your identity is based on how well Sunday went, right? And I realized what it was. So the next time they asked me, I said, no, this is ridiculous. I'm going to go do this. It doesn't matter if I get up or not. And, of course, I did get up, and you can show the video to prove it. (laughs) So I didn't didn't look real good at it, but, you know, I I didn't let go of that rope, that's for sure. But... (laughs) Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? When you, when you trust in your identity in God, it just makes life a lot better, right? The day was a lot... And that day, whether I got up or didn't get up, the day would have been a lot better because I chose to not give in to the fear, right? And I, was, and I chose to not worry about what people thought of me, but instead just chose to, to press in to the moment I had right then to enjoy God's blessings, to enjoy the good things God had given me. And see, and God wants you to be that kind of person who can step into your identity in Christ, to identify when there is that shadow self, when there is your old self, when there is that, that self that is not who God made you to be, that is not your true identity in Christ, to recognize those lies that are coming at you, those accusations that are coming at you, those limiting beliefs that are coming at you, holding you back, from being the person Jesus made you to be. Because you are, in Jesus Christ, glorious saint. You are a child of God who is dearly beloved. You have been empowered by the Spirit. You are sent with His power and His grace to be a blessing. God looks at your life and He looks at you with this utter joy and confidence. He's proud of you. And He is excited about the way He is woven your life to be a blessing to your family, to be a blessing to your workplace, to be a blessing to your neighborhood, to your community. You are glorious in the gospel of Jesus Christ, and God wants you to walk in his glory, to step into it and to trust him, to trust in his ways. I pray today as we come before and worship today, I hope you'll take a chance just to listen to the Spirit, 
What's going on in your heart today? Listen to it. Is this in alignment with who God's made you to be? Is it in alignment with who God is and what he's done for you? Is this God's voice in your heart that that you've been listening to? Or is it some other voice that's holding you back from becoming the person God made you to be? Let's just take a moment of silence to listen to the Spirit today and what the Spirit's telling us today. Dear God, we thank you, Lord, that, uh, that you have overcome, that you've overcome those voices and, and those accusations in our hearts, Lord God, that, that drive us into brokenness, Lord. Hold us back from living the life you made us to live, Lord God, and being the person you made us to be, God. We thank you that you've spoken a a bigger and more powerful word over our life, Lord God. We thank you that your spirit is with us so that we might hear your voice loud and clear, speaking words of love and redemption and peace and grace over our lives, Lord. I pray that you help us this week to hear your voice, to be able to speak that word over the other competing voices, Lord God. I pray you give us the strength through your spirit to put our faith in the gospel this week so that we might walk in the truth about who you are and who we are, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.